Fantastic. Hi, everyone. It's Obi Abuchi here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. This show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you to tap into the power of leading from the inside out. And I'm delighted to welcome back on the show, uh, James Miller, uh, all the way from the United States. It's pretty early there. Uh, James, I feel like James needs no introduction, but I will give him one. Uh, James is a licensed psychotherapist who's been in the mental health field for over 25 years. And he's the host and executive producer of the nationally syndicated US Lifeology radio show, where he helps people simplify and transform their spirit, mind, and body. And very excitingly, he is also the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook. James, it is exciting to have you back on the show, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about your new book. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to, be, to return to be a guest on your show. Thank you so much. Okay, I really appreciate it. No, you're, you're welcome. I so enjoyed our conversation last time, hearing about your story, hearing about the impact and just the incredible ideas that you are getting out into the world to help people, as you say, just transform their spirit, mind and body. Yes. And, and I'm a big believer on doing that inner work in order to really transform your lives and so are you and so really excited and and your book so i feel like i'm going to dive straight in <laughs> right. to that i'm i'm a i'm a sucker for books <laughs> great books uh, i'd love to hear just for the listeners and viewers one of the things whenever i think about a book there's always a story behind it it's you know we it's often on our bucket list and we think why here's a book I want to write and, and why this particular topic, why this idea. So what was your motivation for getting this book, Life Lessons, out into the world? It's it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it really short. When I started Lifeology, I, I so being in the mental health field for 25 years, or actually at that time, I think it was only 20 years, but I wanted to just make a difference. And so I was in, in entertainment when I was younger, and then obviously interviewing people pretty much in psychotherapy for all those years, I really created Intersect and that's how Lifeology was created. And so for six months, every single day, I would do a life lesson. I was, I started out on YouTube and I wanted to try something new, but I wanted to just really hone my craft. So every single day I would, throughout my day rather, I would see different things that people were doing and things that I was experiencing because it was a whole new life for me. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And so mm. everything I was learning, I would write down little nuggets of what, what's the lesson I learned, what's the lesson I learned. And so I kept wow. doing that. And so I had, like I said, for six months, I did something every single day. And so my YouTube channel, I think I have like 185 episodes of those three little minute nuggets. And then wow. what I was doing in the podcast before I went to radio, I did the same thing, three three minute lessons. And then in the radio show, I did that for a while. And then I just integrated it into the conversation. And so when I was doing that, a lot of people got a lot of insight with that, including myself as well. Because in that, it, we all read so many different types of books. Mm. But when you're struggling in the moment, what do you do? So that's why Life Lessons was created. But those little nuggets are something that I have to practice every single day myself. And so that was the impetus for the book was to create a book that allows people to just, it's a go-to book to say, this is what I'm struggling. This is what I need to read. And this is what's going to help me in the moment. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That, there's so much there that I want to unpack <laughs> I know, it was already. a long, long response. So, so much. But the thing that strikes me just from the get-go is that powerful habit of reflecting. Because what yes. you were doing in those moments is saying, what can I learn from this situation? What, yes. are, what, are, what is it teaching me? And one of the things that I talk a lot about is developing rewarding habits that, that mm -hmm. maximize our energy and, and our courage and our perspective. And one of those habits is reflecting. What am I yes. learning? What is life teaching me? How can I break through? So that just clearly powerful already. And it sounds like it didn't start off with, hey, I'm doing this to write a book. It's just, hey, I'm doing this because I want to learn and grow and develop myself and share some of these insights. And then out of that comes a book. And I, I love the fact as well, you said, hey, these are just you know different nuggets that you can dive into and, and make a difference. So tell us about how the book's organized, how it's set up, sure. chapters, all of that jazz well okay so it's actually broken down into nine different categories and so what i wanted to do was to create a book that was pretty encompassing because when i'm struggling sometimes i'm like i don't really know what to do so let me if you if i may let me read the what those nine categories are really quickly sure so the nine categories are when your emotions overwhelm you blindsided by life improving your relationships moving on with your life life lessons identifying self-sabotage creating your future improving your communication and tackling the holidays there's a lot there so the book actually has 38 different chapters and so each category is broken like i said each, each chapter is broken down into those different categories and so that's one thing that people when they're struggling if they're like well i don't know how to improve my future what does that look like or if they're going through the holidays what do i do i'm really the holidays are really sad for me what do i do and so that's why the book really encompasses all areas of one's life oh wow that that's again sounds really <laughs> really powerful sure. very often people think hey i need a year to experience a breakthrough yes. or i need to go on to a specific course and i'm not knocking courses i run them i believe in you do as well believe in the importance of courses but very often what's needed is just a an opportunity to reframe a situation in the moment that can begin to put you into a more resourceful state and then you have a breakthrough so it sounds like that's what this book allows just hey dive into what's the blocker i'm feeling at the moment yes. which of the categories of the chapters helps me uh, achieve the breakthrough that i need and that was really one thing i i wanted to focus on is I, like I said earlier, when I'm struggling and I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. I have to, it's, it's funny, actually, when I listen to some of my radio shows or if I'm in post-production and, and we're, we're finishing up a show, I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good nugget. You know, I'm like, and I'm thinking, Wait, you said it, James. I'm like, oh yeah. Right. So there's a difference between, it's a difference between when we, pre, when we teach it and then when we reflect and I'm like, oh crap, I didn't do that. Like the other day I was talking to someone one of the things I talk about in my book is have effective communication. And so there are three three criteria that one must meet in order to have a healthy conversation. And, is, and that is, is it the right time? Is it the right place? And are both parties emotionally available? So here I am, I was at a pool party and <laughs> someone said something and I'm like, wait, let's talk more about that. And I just kept going and the person's like, let's not talk about it now. And I'm like, totally overrode what they said <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> The person was like, um, you didn't follow your three criteria. And I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. And I'm like, I can't say anything because I actually did that. And I was like, dang it. So once again, this is something I get to learn as well. So it's in the moment, it's great in theory, but in, in practical application, every moment of one's life, 
we all get to level up and grow and develop by practicing these techniques. And so that's something I get to practice as well. I don't like it, but I get to practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I I love that. And I love the authenticity. It's we're all work in progress. Yes, we are. One way or the other. Yes. And, And the difference is for some of us, we recognize that we're aware of that. We're eager to feed ourselves and yes. feed others and make a difference in the world. And we're all learning exactly. and growing and as human as the rest of us. And, yes. and I do want to dive into some of the categories shortly, because there were sure. a few that, that struck me. And, and one in particular I'd love to just explore with you is mm-hmm. the identifying self-sabotage yes. category, because that's a big one. I've had a few conversations this week about imposter syndrome for example Mm. and people Mm. feel like hey i'm i'm a fraud and or they think i'm a fraud and and because of that we end up self-sabotaging and saying maybe i'm i'm not good enough and and they think i'm terrible so i might as well just mess it up right now because they think i've messed it up or i think i've messed it up and so what are some of the strategies you share about about that, just identifying self-sabotage and overcoming it, because it's a big deal for a lot of people. It, it, yeah, and I'm so sorry they go through that. I mean, I want to be very transparent. There are times that I feel that way, too, when it comes to um, the imposter syndrome. Sometimes I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? And it's it's weird because I, you know, just like you, just I'm sure like the people with whom you're discussing, you're talking about, they probably have a lot of accolades. They probably have a lot of things that they've done. Mm-hmm. But I know for me at times when I have an event or I have to do something. I'm like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. I don't know. And so there are times when I struggle with that too. And so, but the, but the difference is, is, and this is what the book does. It helps reflect on a time when you felt that feeling before. So I can say, mm. all right, James, when did you feel insecure before? Or when did you have this, this, um, this feelings of just not being good enough or whatever it might be. And so I'm like, okay, well, I remember I felt it this time. So when I felt it this time, what did I do to overcome it? So that's the premise of the book is to help you reflect on what you've done before mm-hmm. that's healthy for you. And so when I was like, okay, well, I felt this way. I got through the event. Okay, so I know this, what I'm feeling now, I'm gonna get through this. I know that, that my, my data in my life has taught me that. But what did I do? Okay, well, I, I went through all, a list of all these things that I've overcome before. So on my phone here, I have a list of all these different things that I've overcome in my life. And so sometimes it's, it can be me focusing on every single day there's a blessing I've been given or every single day there's been accolades or not accolades, opportunities that have been given to me. So when I feel that moment in the moment, I reflect on, okay, James, on this date, this is what, what you received. On this date, this is what happened. This date, this happened. And that really encourages me because I'm thinking, okay, just because I have a feeling doesn't mean that feeling's true, but that's just mm. a feeling. One of the chapters I have is called Thinking Errors. And in the Thinking Errors are 15 common ways in which we skew, skew life. And one of them is called emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning means I feel it, so it must be true. I feel mm. insecure or I feel it's imposter syndrome, so it must be true. Yeah. But when you can reflect on the data of your past and say, I felt this before and I got over it and, I, and I, I, I didn't like it, but I got over it. And so I know if I did it before, I can do it again. So that's what the book really does is it helps you focus on your past, implement a healthy strategy to help you through the moment. And then whatever is in the, in the, um, the chapter that I have, it helps you reframe it and it helps you launch forward again. Mm, mm, wow. Um, I... I hope people are taking notes already just listening to that because I can resonate, identify with just that feeling of this emotion is overwhelming me. I remember speaking, I was speaking at an event recently and afterwards people came up and said, hey, Obi, that was great. That was fantastic, this or that. 
And yeah, I, I have these standards where I, I suddenly start criticizing myself and right. thinking, wow, you could have done well here. You could have done better here. And, and I just had to stop myself and say, no, Obi, let's just be grateful Yes. for the impact that this has yes. had. And yes, there are things you could do better. And yes, there are things that you could work on, but it's okay. And, and so, yeah, we all have those emotions that just skew us and, and get us into uh, this dark space. And uh, again, I, I just love the, the opportunity to reflect and yes. reframe and see, hey, where have I made progress in this situation before that helps me yes. to yes. Uh, look at it differently. So powerful. I also want to reflect on that with what you're saying. One thing I do, any event that I have when I'm using my own my own tools here, <laughs> is if, if I have a speaking event or I have something I'm going to do, I always reflect on how do I want to feel afterwards. And so instead of me looking at the presentation of how well I'm going to speak or if I speak too much or whatever it might be, I would say on the on the other side of this, how James, how do you want to feel personally? And so when I can reflect on that, I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel energized. I want to feel motivated. So when doing that, I know, okay, so the event hasn't started yet. So if I want to feel this on the other side, what do I need to do? So it's not so much about my presentation. It's about the experience I want to have in the moment. So on the other side of it, I can actually experience that because we're, there's going to be technical difficulties. We had a little bit this morning. There's a lot of different things sure. that, that have happened that you just can't change. And so when you can reflect on this is how I want to feel. So mm -hmm. it kind of takes the tension away or doesn't kind of, it does take the tension away of saying, this is how I'm going to do it. And <laughs> no different than anybody else. I'm going to do the best I can. But if I want to feel energized, motivated, um, affirmed, whatever that is, that every single thing I do from now until the other side of that event, I'm going to focus on that goal and I'm going to accomplish that goal. So that's why it takes the sting away from, oh, I didn't do too well in whatever category, whatever way. Nice. Yeah. And a, a great use of just visualization there and mm -hmm. also bringing in the emotion of, hey, here's, here's where I'm going to be at right, yes. right after this. So I, I love that. What's what was one of the most challenging chapters that you had to write? I mean, there's often yes. at least one. The very first chapter. One. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. it's funny. So I, I had written this book. I mean, this book was done. And then I went back, gosh, maybe three weeks ago. And I did the final edits on it. And there's one. the first chapter is called Radical Acceptance. In fact, I hadn't written that chapter yet, come to think of it. I had written everything else. And I thought, well, the premise of the book, because I mentioned radical acceptance in different chapters of the book, but I'm thinking, why didn't I write a chapter about that? So radical acceptance is a fancy um, psychotherapy term that basically says you accept the facts as they are. It doesn't mean you like the facts. It doesn't mean you appreciate the facts. It doesn't mean you let somebody off the hook. It doesn't mean you just like the facts at all. It's just these are the facts. The term, or we've all heard the quote, Trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. So what, mm -hmm. what radical acceptance helps you do is it recognizes this is trouble, but the misery is my option. So now I can't change the facts. This is what's going on. What do I do with that? I can sit in the loss or I can sit in the loss and my life is going to move forward. Another term I talk about is called a dialectic. A dialectic basically means two opposing things can exist at the same time. So when I wrote the first chapter, Radical Acceptance, I'm actually transparent in the in the chapter and I said, you know, as I'm writing this, I get to practice radical acceptance and it sucks. I do not like it. It does not feel good, but this is what has to happen. So when I wrote it, I was like, oh, goodness. So I was writing as the quote experts and those who can't see me, my hands are in, in quotation marks. I, I was like, I, I get to write this and I'm literally my, my life, some major things happened in my life that was very different. And so all of a sudden I was like, 
I have to do this. So as I wrote this, it was very cathartic for me, but it, it was difficult in a lot of ways. But that's once again, we all have life lessons to learn and life lessons to teach. So that was the one that was difficult for me. So for me, the, the, the reframe of the radical acceptance is this is how I feel doesn't change the facts your life has changed doesn't mean your mm. life is good or bad it's just changed what do i do with that and so with that it, it helps you launch out to say okay what are my options so i help people reflect on just the basic things of when life blindsided you and there's a whole aspect of that as well one of the categories what do you do and so radical acceptance is is thrown throughout the book or written throughout the book to help people really reframe on this is not okay but i have a choice do i sit in the misery or do i move out, outside of the misery mm. And I can imagine that given the couple of years that we've just had, COVID, the mm -hmm. pandemic hit a lot of people around the world. People yes. were blindsided and faced situations where they thought, I don't know if I can see a way out of this. Yeah. It sounds like that just approach of radical acceptance is a great mm -hmm. one of saying, well, I've got to accept the facts here, but the misery in it is my choice. And what are some of the yes. things that I can do to move forward? And what other tools do you share, particularly for people who are still kind of stuck in some of the challenges of the last couple of years? So many times when we do get stuck in the challenges of the last couple of years, what, what I help people do is focus on the moment. So there are a couple of ways to do that. So in the moment, if we become so insular in our thoughts, as we know, our thoughts, they're, it's, they're called perseverative thoughts. Another fancy word that basically says the thoughts will loop over and over and we can't stop them. A way to get out of your head is actually focus on your five senses. So when you get out of your head by focusing on what is around me. So it's, it's ideal if someone can go outside and do it because there's a lot more stimuli, but if not, that's fine. So for me in my house right now, it's very early here in the US. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I have a ring light here. I have you know clock here that I can hear. So I go through all my different senses. So I filter through each sense, uh, my sense of sight, my sense of hearing, my sense of touch, my sense of smell, my sense of um, taste. All of those I can filter through and when I focus on as much of that as possible, look at every, speak aloud every single thing I see in my house. Listen to every sound I can hear. When you do that, it gets you out of your head and puts all that the energy of the looping thoughts and puts it into an active way. Because as we know, anxiety and other emotions, they have a lot of energy, but it's not external energy. And that often feels that we can't control anything. So when you can take that energy and, and externalize it, and by using your five senses in your surrounding and sit with that, it reduces the amount of anxiety one feels and keeps one present. And once one is present, then they can say, what is my self-care? What do I need to do right now? What can I do right now? When we think too far in our mind's eye, that causes too much anxiety. For some people to think for four hours out, that's too much. Mm. So what can I do for the next five minutes? What does my self-care look like? I want to take a shower. I want to cook some food. And so those types of things get out of your head, focus on the specific moment that allows you to be in control of your life as opposed to the struggles of things we cannot control at all. Wow, wow. And a reminder that in, in some respects, that control is an illusion trying to control the things out there, right? And the most important thing that I can control is, is me. Uh, I love those yes. very simple steps. So just taking control, connecting with my senses and realizing, hey, I do actually have agency. I don't yes, have I do. to get stuck in my head. There are choices yes. that I, I, can, I can make. What's One of the your chapters I have goal? Um, I'm sorry, one of the chapters that, that I really enjoy is called Faith versus Fear. Faith and fear ask us to do the same thing, believe in something that has not yet happened. So when I was a child, when I'd watch cartoons, there was like a little angel and a little devil on the other, you know, 
each shoulder. And so it's kind of, and they would whisper into the person's ear. And so it's the same concept with faith and fear. Now, faith doesn't have to be a religious thing, but it simply is we, we have an opportunity to focus on the, the anxiety, which would be that little devil talking or the, the angel talking about the faith. And so it's our choice to say, I can focus on every worry that I have and say, this is going to come true. Or I can take that same energy and say, I don't know how it's going to work out, but it is going to work out. And so it's, it's important that we reflect and we have, it does ask us to do the same thing. So when we, and I say this with compassion, because I've done it before as well. When we will, when we willingly know that we're creating anxiety for ourselves and worry for ourselves by listening to that voice of fear, then that's unfortunately a choice we're making. Whether we realize it or not, it is a conscious choice we're making to focus on something that's going to hurt us. And so mm -hmm. when we can say, yes, this may be true, the dialectic, this may be true. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know in my past, I did overcome these situations. So I always help people reflect on when did you overcome something? The situation may be different, but the emotions you're feeling are the same. So in the book, I help you reflect on the emotion and that emotion that you felt before and you're currently feeling now, you already have the data within you to know how to overcome it. So that's how we really can focus on the voice of faith, if you will, as opposed to the voice of fear. Well, you beat me to it because I was going to ask you, <laughs> what was your favorite chapter? And it sounds like that was one. And you're coming back to a point that is so critical for all of us to understand that we have ownership yes. for what's going on in our head and what we focus on as well i, I was having a conversation yes. with someone the other day and and i know some people may not like to hear this but we were talking about depression and i know at, at some level yes there are some of the the chemical imbalances yes. within us but I, I said i think it's actually more helpful or more true to say, I do depression, not that I have it. And it, yes. that make, helps us realize I'm making a choice to focus on the negative and what could go wrong and, and yes. all of the, the darkness rather than in this moment say, well, yes, that is possible, but I'm choosing to look through the eyes of faith, as you say, and the possibilities, because that just gives me more energy. And, and ultimately, both of them are unknown, right? The only Very thing true. that is known is, here, is the here and now. And so I have that choice to either do depression or not. And as I said, yes. you know, some level, yes, there are the chemical imbalances, but I love that idea of, hey, you know, faith and, and fear. It's I've got a choice here as to which yes. one. Uh, I focus on. That's and so that's a really powerful. good point. One of the one of the chapters I have is called, I believe it's called Who Am I? And in that, um, what that really focuses on is especially that is it's who are you? Are you are you your your past? So for example, if we've gone through we, all of us have gone through really negative events in our life. And so there is an aspect of an event, let's say someone is bankrupt. And so now they become the bankrupt person, the person who doesn't know how to control their money. And, and I don't know, I obviously know people's life stories, but I'm saying if that were the thought that it'd be, mm. or I'm the divorced person, or I am the sick person, when we become the label of something we've experienced, unfortunately, that limits us to say, this is all I am. We put ourselves in a box and that's what happens. So you're right. Yes, there's, there's actually five different versions of depression. Three of them are the chemical versions of it. And the other two are more situationally based. And so when a situation happens, all of a sudden I will think, 
I, I don't know what to do. And that's where the faith and fear comes in. But it is important to allow someone to realize an event you've experiencing or currently experiencing does not define you. You define who you are. If I strip away all the talents and accolades and whatever I have, what's left? And that's the same type mm. of thing when it comes to an event we've experienced. You strip that away, what's left? Because once again, an event does not is a, is a timestamp in time. So if we're beyond that time, why do we still call ourselves that? Mm. And, and that that's a really kind of profound concept then just thinking about who are you because when you do strip it all away what are you left with and and who am i and what's your take on that what will people end up with if they strip away the accolades they strip away the recognition they strip away the positions that they are what are they left with i can imagine that some people would say but what am i left with if i'm not what people say i am and and what i have and what i've achieved one of the exercises I do, and I do this quite often, actually, and so I will, especially when I was going through the radical acceptance chapter, I looked in the mirror, and I know people are like, okay, look in the mirror, give yourself affirmations, which works, and I actually talk about that in the book, but I actually went through and I said, James, who are you? And so what I do is I actually look myself in the mirror as close as I can, well, pretty, pretty close, maybe, uh, maybe a foot away, and I really stare into my eyes, and I, and I will go through the events that happen, I'm this, this is how I feel. This is, and then once I say all that, okay, that I can push that away. That's I don't have to worry about that now. Now what am I? And then I can say you are kind, you're loving, you're loyal, you're gentle, you're pure, Amazing. you're um, all those things. And so when you can really start to look into, in, really look into your eyes and say those things, then you when you remove all the things that would just happen, then you really look at your character. And that's what we really focus mm. on is your character. Your character is something nobody can take away from you. Your character is something that you work hard to, for or towards. It's something that you, as only you, whether people realize it or not. So when you can look at that, and I find it's, it's funny, I actually blush sometimes when I give myself a compliment like that and really say who I am because I'm, I'm being genuine, very kind to ourselves, to myself. And I think that's one thing that people struggle with is that kindness. They, they can say everything wrong about them themselves. But if we think about that, if we would never say that to our best friend, why would you be cruel to your best friend? And so why be cruel to yourself? Mm. That's so, I, I love that. That's something that I've had to work on over the years, uh, self-compassion, because mm -hmm. for some reason, and I don't know all of the uh, history behind it, but growing up, I found it easier to be harder on myself. And Obi, I'm going to push you. And so you I'm, I'm that drill sergeant towards myself yeah. <laughs> just to uh, get going that can become a bit of a false habit that I end up putting myself down a lot of the time and just say hey you could have done better you could have done better rather than celebrating what I did and celebrating my progress and celebrating the impact that I'm having. And of course, you know, being honest enough and saying, well, yeah, hey, that wasn't great. And that's okay, because you are someone who can overcome and do it better. And I know you'll do it better next time. And that actually gives me so much more energy, having that self compassionate mindset yes. than the critical mindset. But but I noticed it's there. And, and one of the things that's helped me, I, I'm a big fan of movies and I use a lot of the scenes from movies and um the uh, beautiful mind with um Russell Crowe you know Russell about Crow. John Nash and and those thoughts at the end that are yes. criticizing him and, and you talk about this dialectic piece and I look at that and I say okay you're there 
but I don't have to listen to you. Correct. I'm going to choose to listen to someone else. And so I can hold that reality of, oh, yeah, tempted to really criticize myself and beat myself up here. But it's a choice if I listen to you or if I focus on something else. And that that really helps me. Well, that's, that's fantastic. That's a great way to do it. One of the chapters I have is called forgiving yourself. There's so many times we do things, you know, I've done many things in my past that I'm not proud of. But when we don't forgive ourselves, what happens is there's almost like two people within ourselves, And I don't mean that literally like multiple personalities, but more in the sense of there's a there's a person of you that's that's more maybe more pious and self-righteous and then the person who just messes up. <clears throat> and so when we use that aspect of James, what's wrong with you? You need to do better. Sure, that works. But how can I tell myself that if I'm being cruel to myself? I know when someone yells at me, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to fight right back. Who do you think mm. you are? And so, and so that's actually another chapter that's called reactive or proactive response. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's true. So when I, in the chapter of forgiving yourself, it really focuses on how to merge those two things together. So once again, it's finding that self-compassion and then setting internal boundaries. So if I do something I'm not proud of, yeah, I will actually go back to the mirror and I will talk to myself. I'll say, oh, James, you know, you, 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 this is what happened. How do you feel about it? And I'll revert, you know, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really proud of it. I'm really upset about it. I'm really embarrassed. I'm really ashamed about this. And so as I really have that dialogue back and forth to myself, so as I'm looking in the mirror, I'm responding to myself. And so all of a sudden, then I give myself compassion. I know you're really embarrassed. I'm really sorry that happened to you. I'm really sorry that this, that this ex you experienced this. Now, what are we going to do differently? And so that's when I start, can then start to set those internal boundaries. You need to step up here. You need to not respond in this way. You need to avoid this person. Or you need to do this. You need to do that. But you can't really create that self, that internal boundary unless you've actually connected with yourself. And so just like if you're going to talk to your children, Obi, I'm sure you're not going to be like, and yell at them because they're not going to hear you. When you connect with them in a very although I do have my way. moments, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I don't always do this myself, but this is the goal. And so it's I'm going to be really hard on myself too. But but the goal though is to really connect in such a way where you can be compassionate to yourself, find that compassion. Then you can say, now th this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to step up. And so once I can can be kind to myself, create those internal boundaries. Now when the opportunity comes up for me to to enact this, it's easier for me to enact whatever that boundary is because I've. I've really connected with myself. But if I can't connect with myself and just say, you need to do this, it's not going to work. And so that's why you have to merge those two, quote, personas, if you will. And that will allow the person to then actually implement the internal boundary that they've created. And then they can be a, a drill sergeant. Be like, James, no, you need to do this now. And then I'm like, oh, crap, you're right. So that's how you're able to set those internal boundaries and forgive forgive yourself. That's amazing. And, and you know, so much of what you've said is just reinforcing for me the power of our words to ourselves yes. so what what are the words that i'm saying to myself if i could you know look objectively and and there's that undercurrent of internal dialogue that's going on throughout the day is it empowering is it encouraging is it reminding me is it enabling me is it doing the drill sergeant thing but in a in a good way in an empowering mm -hmm. way and so sure. just that undercurrent of the power of our words to ourselves, it sounds like this book is really going to help you to change those words and make them so much more life-giving to yourself yes. than yes. draining of, of energy. Yes. 
A lot of times we have what's called a core belief. A core belief is what we've trained ourselves, either situations when we were younger, trained us to believe a certain thing about ourselves, or someone said this to us over and over again. And what you'll know what your core belief is, is because when you do something you're embarrassed about, and I talk about this in the book as well, when you do something you're embarrassed about or something that you're not proud of, what is the term that you say? So I can say, James, you're so stupid. What is wrong with you? You're so ugly. You're so fat, whatever it is. Everybody has a different mantra of whatever that core belief is. And so you'll know what you really believe about yourself when it gets overwhelming because whatever you say and it's usually the same words or that's so stupid when you when you hear that all of a sudden that is something you believed when you were younger and that becomes the, the foundation of who you are you may not even realize it's there but if a person were to slow down and listen to what they say when they do something they're not proud of that core belief is that core belief loop is going to you're going to hear it over and over again and so then it, when you're aware of it you say wait a minute james you're not stupid you're not fat you're not ugly whatever that whatever it might be what's the data that proves that and well there isn't really any data that proves that so why, why do i keep saying that because often we don't realize we repeat the same things over and over again because we're used to it, it becomes a learned behavior it's not the truth and so the recognition of what you actually think about your core beliefs determines how f- strong your foundation is when life happens yeah i james i honestly can't wait to read this it, it sounds like it's going to be so rich for people oh, where where can people find it and how can people find out more about you and and what you're doing obviously we'll put some of this in the show notes but do you just want to share that oh, before we sure yeah up? well once again i really appreciate it Obi. thank you so much uh just simply go to lifeologypublishing.com or you can purchase it um well it, it'll be it's on amazon as well and and which is amazon uk as well so you can get it anywhere it's on barnes and noble it's in all the major all the major retail stores as well or you can if you want to learn more information about me, about me simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and i'm really active on instagram which is at jamesmillerlifeology i would love to hear from all your listeners and guests or listeners and viewers <laughs> oh brilliant thank you uh guys this sounds like an incredible resource just to help you grow help you develop and help you overcome a lot of the internal barriers that get in the way of the incredible success that we all can absolutely have. So it's been a a delight to chat with you, James, delight to hear about the work that you're putting out there. We need more of these resources in the world. So it's a great opportunity to share it with the listeners and viewers here. Well, thank you so much, Obi. Um, I'm so honored once again to be on your show. So thank you for allowing me to talk about life lessons. You are the experts on your life, a workbook, which we didn't want to talk about the workbook part of it, but that's something, yes, I really hope that your viewers and listeners can really learn and grow the way I've learned and grown when, when I wrote this book. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey guys, remember that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader, if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose, then it starts from the inside out. And this Life Lessons resource will be an incredible one to do that great work on the inside out. So have a great day and see you on the next show.